Welcome to the Creating Queensland podcast. In this episode, I interview Marty Sadlier, a quantity surveyor and director of MCG Quantity Surveyors. Marty is located in Sydney, but has six offices nationwide, including Brisbane. The company was on the fastest 100 growing firms in Australia list in 2018. Marty has been quoted in multiple publications, including the Australian Financial Review, and in this discussion, he gives us insight into what he sees happening in the industry and his professional foresight. This episode is sponsored by DA Tracker, Australia's number one development application tracking and collaboration tool. You can find out more at datracker.com.au. That is D for development, A for application, tracker.com.au. If you aren't sure who I am, I'm Jessica Reynolds, host of the Creating Queensland podcast and director of a private town planning consultancy in Brisbane. You can connect with me by searching for Jessica Reynolds, Urban Planner on LinkedIn. I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, Today, I'd like to introduce Marty. Marty, can you please introduce us to who you are, full name, uh, what your business is and where you operate? Yeah, so I'm Marty Sadlier. I'm a director of and owner of MCG Quantity Surveyors. Uh, we're a quantity surveying company that started in 2011 mm-hmm. uh, and we're now nationwide. Um, prior to that, I was working for a, a, a national quantity surveying firm uh, and we're doing a similar sort of services. Uh, and in 2011, thought that um, it, it had sold uh, through to a, a private equity um, base. Mm-hmm. So I decided to, with a business partner, start our own firm, which we did. And we've been uh, starting from a, a bedroom and um, that the whole humbling nature of that to growing uh, to a national business has been really exciting. Uh, in 2018, we made the Australian Financial Review's fastest 100 growing companies, uh, which we believe is the first quantity surveying company to do so. Uh, so from there, it's just been about trying to do what we do and, and be um, experts in our craft. Uh, so from a quantity surveying perspective, we do do the full gamut of services. So we do uh, you know, pre-construction cost plans um, and then work with builders and developers throughout and financiers throughout the construction phase with progress claims and the like. And then as a, a post-construction service, there's mainly two services that we do, which would be the tax depreciation schedules and the insurance replacement cost estimates. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that, that's a, a, about a, a, what we do in regards to our service offering. Uh, and there's you know, different sort of takes on that. Okay. And what type of projects do you tend to work with? Traditionally, uh, I think just because it's a more popular type of development, we do tend to see the residential sector as being uh, making up a large sort of um, section of what we do. Uh, we do do commercial things. Um, so we do a lot of childcare centres, a lot of commercial offices uh, and you know, hotels, um, mm-hmm. vineyards and the like, and also some civil projects. Um we do a lot of residential subdivisions as well. Yeah. And where did you develop this passion for quantity surveying? So I was, well, after I left school, uh, I went to I went down the, the football path and I did a trade. So I did my building trade. So I was a carpenter. Okay. And, then, um, and then ended up spending, after I sort of qualified um, out of the apprenticeship, I was spending a lot of, more, like, a lot, a lot of my time in an office because um, mm-hmm. I was quoting jobs and dealing with clients. And I kind of thought, well, if I'm going to be sitting in an office and not swinging a hammer anymore, uh, I'd like to maybe take that a bit further. So that's when I went to uni and did my Bachelor of Construction Management. And then I was estimating jobs all the time anyway. And I sort of thought, well, maybe yeah. the natural progression there is, is to get into quantity surveying. 
So I did that. I tried that and really enjoyed it. And within a couple of years, a national manager for a previous company. Uh, so then decided to, uh, when they got out of those services, to do it myself. So I've always really liked um, property in regards to whether I'm building or whether I'm a quantity surveyor. It's tangible. I can mm-hmm. see it. I can I can touch it. I can see it changing. And, and there's the legacy of it that you can drive past it in 10 years' time and say, I was involved in that or I built that or whatever it may be. I love that. And I can see you're yeah. quite comfortable in your suit now. So do you miss being a builder? I, I do, but I, I don't miss the pressures that came along with it. So when you know we're doing 100-hour weeks because there's a, a, a shutdown or we have to have it done and so there's no penalty rates on something mm-hmm. and you're doing it every single day, it, it's not. Uh, I think it, it changes. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas now I enjoy doing it for myself or you know, a mm-hmm. family member or want something done and I really enjoy it's kind of like my meditation. I can... Um, you know, just do something on a Saturday and you can turn your brain off a bit. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, you know, it's just my sort of escape doing those little projects. No, I understand. It's a bit of like a, a meditative state when you're doing something actual physical and constructive yeah. something, but you just don't want to do it as a business and your day-to-day job. And, and sometimes when you don't have to think about something because you know it so well, you can actually sort of turn your brain off doing something. <laughs> um, whereas sometimes when you're in the suit and like in my day job, so to speak, um, you're constantly, you know, talking to clients or needing to know exactly where things are up to. Um, You can sort of turn off a bit. Yeah, no, definitely. I was trying to think, is there anything I can do that I can turn my brain off on? And I was like, no, and I don't want my clients to think that either. (laughs) Don't worry about it. I don't turn my brain off (laughs) during the day. I guess guess some people do that like when they're cooking or something. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know? I think physical um, and repetitive tasks are definitely more meditative, but as you say, once yeah. you're in the office, there's no time for that. No, no. <laughs> so everyone needs to do their meditation either side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and there's a different, there's a different um, level of um, tiredness that comes from that. You know, you can be tired from doing something that's physically draining, but mm-hmm. sometimes that mental draining, is, it's so much. Um, it's next more, level. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. Not that I've ever been a builder, but I hear you. Um, so you've built these six offices over, I guess, almost a decade now. Um, yeah. One of your offices is in Brisbane and obviously yeah. you're in Sydney, I'm in Brisbane. Um, yeah. And you've been, you know, quoted um, a fair bit lately, I guess, in the media. Um, I saw you're in the financial review. Um, just yeah. talking about what you seeing, you are seeing from a quantity surveying standpoint um, with the industry. Um, do you have any comments yeah. that you'd like to make um, maybe on a, a nationwide stand and then maybe do you have any specific information for us for Queensland? Yeah, so nationally, I, I, in the, I wrote two articles recently over about mm-hmm. the last three weeks that was in the Australian Financial Review. And the first one was what we were seeing from and what we were hearing from builders across the nation, mainly the Eastern mm-hmm. Seaboard, because it's where we do the majority of our work with Victoria, yep. New South Wales and Queensland, that their workloads had been dropping off and uh, jobs that were, you know, tended and, and ready to start were now put on ice. Mm-hmm. And, and they were finding that clients that they were dealing with ordinarily where they wouldn't be to the open market type tender it would just be mm-hmm. something that they would be rung up and said hey we've another job for you just give us yep. your price 
that wasn't the case anymore. So they were now having to be competitive because they were having okay. to compete with other builders. So what, what it's done on the back of this sort of pandemic and during this pandemic, it's A, changed the landscape for, for two reasons, and that is is that builders are now competing with other builders because they need the work, mm-hmm. uh, and they're also having to sharpen their pencil to do that. Um, mm-hmm. So that's been that flows down through suppliers and subcontractors, okay. and that was really the idea of that article. That uh, well, that's what we were hearing that people were having to be really competitive to try and win work, and they were prepared to drop their margins on some of their shorter type duration job frames mm-hmm. purely to be able to cover their overhead, just to be able to keep moving and, and to get a job. So they, they were what we were also hearing was subcontractors who had already been um, priced into a developer for a job. Was, were then ringing up because they hadn't heard anything back yet, um, mm-hmm. sort of saying, hey, do you need to look at our price and sharpen our pencil? So they were all already getting subcontractors sort of trying to do that as an offering. Yeah. So we did see that there was a price drop. We did have a couple of jobs uh, that actually was secured uh, via a successful tender during that review that I did. Mm-hmm. And we actually, what, what jobs that we had priced up through uh, a builder and then they had won the job were mm-hmm. so in one instance one was nearly three million and, and actually ended up winning it for two point seven so it was quite a drop That's a um, big job. that they had to take yeah and that there was a, a few um, changes to that from subcontractor prices dropping the builder dropping mm-hmm. margins and also some material changes okay. uh, but it was it was fairly extensive so mm-hmm. uh, that was the article that ran in the AFR and and on the back of that I had made some sort of I was asked what my opinion was with the crystal ball and I had sort of said that I think that there might be a bit of a spike in renovations during this time purely because I think people are going to be working from home and start to look around their home and go, oh, I want to change this Um, or create a better home office or or what have you. Mm -hmm. And the other part of that, which was in the second article, was more around that also people aren't able to travel. So for the people that may be looking at doing a $10,000, $15,000, $20,000 holiday, Mm-hmm. Uh, and they may do that every year that they now can't do, uh, or we might earmark that money for something else. I know, mm-hmm. won't we update the kitchen or the bathroom? Um, we're already seeing builders that don't do renovations saying to do renovations, okay. t- saying to take on jobs that they don't normally do. And that was, so I was, my, my prediction was that I thought we'd see a spike in renovations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the second article that was written. And from that, the Australian French Review then did some national research through Bunnings and high pages and some different um, other sort of outlets and suppliers and it's true that they were seeing a real spike in those numbers. Yeah, definitely. So what does this mean for the ecosystem, I guess, when you've got, I guess, maybe premium builders dropping their prices, um, maybe your standard builders either holding prices or having to drop even further, Um, people who wouldn't normally do take on renovation projects, taking on renovation projects. And then builders who normally would do renovations, like is it because there's more renovations coming in, that's fine, that it all balances out or is there going to be some carnage? No, I think there will be some carnage. I, I think with the, the price dropping, there's an, an element to that that and, and certainly there are advocates sort of saying, well, does that mean that the quality drops um, mm-hmm. because you can't just drop your price without it affecting quality? I think there is some merit to that. I don't know whether it's going to be um, as vast and, and destructive as what some of those people have said because I, I think at the end of the day these builders need the work and they're going mm-hmm. to want to get work on the back end of that from a relationship point of view. So I don't think it's going to be cutting corners for the yeah. sake of it. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, 
there, there may be some cases that I don't think it's going to be as easily linked as, as first thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, the carnage, I think, is going to come from the fact that it's a bit like when we have a big event, a weather event, where we have insurance work, that there's mm-hmm. a point where everyone, it's a really good time to say secure a builder or do a renovation because you've got the pick of many, many builders and you've got uh, a program of works where people can start tomorrow as opposed to them already having a great backlog of work they can't mm-hmm. get to you. So I think that um, from a competitive nature, it's a really good time right now. The problem with that will be that once you start to secure all those people, then we create that monopoly again where like after a big weather event where mm-hmm. everyone's got so much work on, you can no longer get them. So okay. and that's the construction industry where we, we have the ebb and flow uh, in mm-hmm. regards to sort of work volumes. The carnage would be also that if, if builders are really going having to secure these jobs and drop their prices by a fair mm-hmm. part, if that job's going to be six months, well, they're going to be working now for six months for no margin. So if and when the COVID um, lifts and we mm-hmm. sort of hit back to normal, if they've still got jobs that they've secured with no margin, then they, they may be working for 12 months or 18 months for not very much margin and they can no yeah. longer change their price. So that's why we're thinking that we'll start to see more of a renovation point of view because it's that shorter time frame. It's a Mm -hmm. three-month job. So at least when this breaks, we can go back to pricing as per norm. Yeah, so it's a shorter period so you can keep re-evaluating whether the prices need to go up rather than like a 12-month contract where... It's going to be a lot harder. At yeah. Go, oh well, your last job. Yeah. Too much. <laughs> like I don't think you'd want to be a multiplex or a Hutchison and really dropping your prices and buying a job that's a three month, a three year build. Yeah, yeah. So how do you survive then in this market if you are, say, a premium builder and you don't want to drop your prices? Is it possible? Uh, I, yeah. Look, I think it is, um, and I think that's the you know the the magic question uh, in regards to do you then try and sell it from a service offering? Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're not going to do that because does that mean that ordinarily you were making so much on the jobs before uh, anyway? So there are certainly uh, some builders that we're still working with that are saying Mm -hmm. it's business as usual for them. Uh, Yes, their their workloads have dropped off, but they were only doing one or two jobs a year anyway. Mm -hmm. So they've already got a couple of those. And those people, because they're dealing with high net worth clients, they're not... In a, in a financial situation uh, from a risk point of view. So I, I think in the construction sector, there are going to be uh, different parts that, that are sort of not affected and mm-hmm. then there are parts that will be. Uh, so we, we haven't seen an issue in, say, some of the commercial builds because people are taking that opportunity to do, you know, progress their business and, and, and build a new complex or do a, a fit out and they're mm-hmm. taking this opportunity to do that. Okay. So they're, not, they're not seeing that as... A real issue from a uh, from a price point. Yeah, that's really interesting. You'd think that you know commercial people would be a little bit worried, but instead, you're, people are saying, "Well, it's not actually going to what interrupt workflow, and we'll just yeah." I th- well, people are adapting, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think looking at the fact that okay, we've wanted to do a bit of a fit out um, for a while. Our office is now empty. Now's probably the time to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's probably the the old uh, pub test that they need to think about whether, you know, if they're putting people on JobKeeper or having to make redundancies, is this the best time to then also be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on a fit-out? How does that look? Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think for for companies that have already had it in the planning, this is a really good time to do it. Yeah, definitely. 
So are you seeing any difference between what's happening in maybe your southern state offices to what's happening up in Brisbane and the Queensland office? Yeah, so we um, Queensland's a, a funny thing when we compare that to, to New South Wales. Uh, we've, the information we're receiving from builders is, is that the subcontractors seem to be a little bit more volatile in, mm-hmm. in the Queensland market. So they're, they're quite vocal about getting on the phone and, and getting back to um, builders and trying to chase work. Okay. Um, whether that's a, a seasonal thing, um, from especially when you start to go up into the sort of far north um, mm-hmm. or get above Brisbane where yep. there really are some certain times of the year that you really want to try and maximise your workloads. Uh, so we're, we're certainly seeing that. Okay. Uh, from a from a subcontractor's point of view, mm-hmm. and the other feedback we're getting more so from New South Wales, but more so, uh, sorry, what we're seeing more in Queensland as opposed to New South Wales, is with uh, the tendering and the quoting process mm-hmm. that the sub tender the subcontractors are getting back to developers and builders really quickly. So where a builder might go out to a subcontractor to get a price for say plastering, they might mm-hmm. wait a week or two. They're getting it back the next day. Yeah, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, like well, uh, yeah, and whether that means that they've that's because they haven't got any work on, so they're sitting in front of their computer at the time. But I think they've really reacted quickly uh, or quicker. Um, I don't know whether that's because still the you know the borders between New South Wales and, and Queensland um, are a little a little stricter. So mm-hmm. whether trades in Queensland are sort of thinking, well, we're not going to be able to just you know travel to other jobs in the north of New South Wales or whatever it may be, uh, and, and maybe they're trying to take that opportunity that, well, those New South Wales companies aren't going to be coming into Queensland at the moment. Um, you know, whether there's a mindset there that you know, we need to really try and do what we can to secure what we can, uh, that, that may be part of it. Yeah, definitely. No, it's really interesting. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, I've learned a lot. Um, do you have no any parting thoughts or do you want to let us know how people can contact you or find you? Yeah, sure. Um, look, I think that it, it, the construction industry is always going to go up and down and we'd all love a crystal ball and it, it, you know, especially on the back of real estate numbers, um, you know, they all have a, a part to play in it. I think if you're looking at doing a development now is or a renovation or a build, I think this is one of the the better opportunities we've had in recent years of mm-hmm. getting that competitiveness from a from a programming point of view and also a construction cost point of view. Uh, so I think that if that's something that you're financially able to do and looking to do, I think now would be a really good time to look at that. Yeah. Um, and even if it's not to do now, but at least get a price locked in for early next year. So mm-hmm. I think the opportunity is now in the in the developer's hands or the, the homeowner's hands as opposed mm-hmm. to the other way around in recent years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've written a few articles on that. Happy for people to get in touch. They can jump on the website. It's probably the easiest. Um, yeah. Um, and, and have a look around and, um, and reach out. I'd love to have a chat and, um, it doesn't always have to be a, an invoice or a sale. It's just interesting <laughs> to talk to people and you know, find out what's going on and what they're seeing. Definitely. Well, thank you again for your time. No worries. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you would like to see this product in action, please head over to the Urban Planners Queensland YouTube channel. Links are in the episode notes or you can find the recordings by visiting upqld.com.au. That is upqld.com.au.